Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Catherine Weber, and I'm joined by... Andy Germuga. Number one, 2022, Stan Cullen-Ashley, baby, we're back. <laughs> Emilio Diaz. Hi, everybody. Hello, everybody. Did you miss we're us? Miss to... us? Yeah. Or maybe... Don't answer that. <laughs> or maybe you're listening for the first time. Ooh. Maybe New Year, New Pod. Maybe your welcome to the Francesticular Two. I truly <laughs> hate you. Like so, well, if you are listening for the fr- go ahead, Emilio. So, if you are listening for the first time <laughs> this week, I we've decided that we're gonna try and do a little bit of a film festival primer. Now, we started this yeah. podcast with the assumption that everybody who would listen to something like this. Knows about film festivals, knows like different like like levels of d- degree of film festivals and their popularity, and knows enough to you know be curious and about other people's thoughts on it. But sure, I don't know if I would describe it like that. I just more it, it more feels to me just like we have provided some of that context, but it is very spread out yeah. over many episodes. Yes, and so we're now trying to get it all in one place exactly. yeah there's like a vocabulary that we all have as people who sort of know about film festivals to varying degrees and maybe in the past we haven't been explicit with like how we refer to things for the lay person <laughs> so <Sure>. this <laughs> we want is... yeah we want an episode to point to to point exactly people to, it, to be like you know this is yeah. how you can get a sense for what our deal is and what we talk about yeah is. so when we drop our can predictions maybe people can know like a little more about why what those predictions are based on like what kinds of movies play different festivals why it's like Mm -hmm. interesting to care about certain things and why it's important so we have gone through and made a list of what we consider to be the major festivals that are worth like discussing on an individual basis and we are going to go through each of them and we're going to talk about a little bit about the history what sort of sections and what sort of awards they give out if they are a competitive festival. And then we're going to have a little bit of discussion about each of them to be like, yeah, this is this is why we care about them, and this is yeah. what we think matters out of all of this. Yeah, what's the identity? Yeah. Of this mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and for what it's worth, I don't think we're making any kind of quality judgment about the festivals that we are or are not including. It's more just a matter of like, these are the ones that we are likely to talk about the most and that kind of also will cover a wide swath of the types of festivals that we talk about. Yeah, and like, you know, they shape... These are the festivals that most shape the year, I feel like. Sure. Sort of yep. Like... Yeah, they, like, shape the year. There are, like, a couple of festivals I want to shout out, like the the Busan Film Festival in in South Korea, and there's, like... The Hong Kong Film Festival in uh, Hong Kong that are, like, they're important for, like, their section of the film world, but we just, like, don't really have the, like, knowledge or, like, 
sure. ability to like comment on those really. So we're re- mostly going to stick to like Western film festivals, and we like sort of realize like yes. what that sort of implies it carries, which like what goes back to what Jesse said that we aren't making a quality judgment. There are great festivals all over the world. Support your local film festival, as I've said a million times. Yeah. Yeah. But these are the ones that we perceive and like most people would see, say shape yeah, and shape like, the film festival world and like the types of movies and, effect- and like the film world just in general like these are the festivals that you are most likely to know the films that are premiering yeah them. yes yeah, yeah yeah that 100 percent for sure like if there is any like more concrete way to try like why film festivals matter is like this is where the films that you maybe have seen and enjoy premiere and their like status at these sorts of film festivals are important to them getting distributed and people sh- like fo- these filmmakers getting more chances and s- stuff like that so with all that said as a preamble should we start with the Sundance Film Festival let's yep. go baby it's coming let's do up. it Coming up, yeah, right we're up. going Do chronologically we wanna... for a year of like here's the film festivals as they yeah, happen. That's in our the plan. Year. Yeah, mm-hmm. we figured the this first way... major one is Sundance. Yeah, yeah, we figured like there is talk about like film festivals being like a circuit. But some people would use other words to yeah. describe that. Like uh, there is an academic term for them that I think people use called like an archipelago. That is like I yeah. enjoy thinking about, but I think a circuit is more is more of like the thing that yeah. that people can like tie themselves to so i think it's imp- it is like interesting to look at them chronologically and see like how one festival affects whatever is coming after it and also like the structure of these festivals have also been affected historically by their like temporal placement within a year as i'm sure yeah. we'll get to it but the sundance yeah. film festival it started in 1978 as the utah u.s film festival it was created by sterling ben wagonen and John Earl of the Utah Film Commission. Uh, Wagner left in 79 to f- form the Sundance Institute. And in 1981, it became the U.S. Film and Video Festival. And its original date was in September. And then it was shifted to January because Sidney Pollack, famous director, suggested that it would get more like industry people in because yeah. it would become like a ski hangout resort like yeah. t- type of situation. <laughs> right. Check out our uh, episode last year on the Entourage episode. About exactly. I mean, yeah. truly, that is like <laughs> Sidney Pollock's dream is uh, Turtle and Johnny Drama hitting the slopes. <laughs> For sure. So then in 1991, it was renamed the Sundance Film Festival after Robert Redford's character from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Because yeah. Robert Redford, I guess this like... Brief history sort of skips over that. It's like a sort of key figure in like the founding of Sundance, and a lot of these pe- main names we mentioned are people who are like producing partners of his or business associates of his. So yeah. he looms large sure. over the and festival. Yeah, yeah. Like he still is to some extent involved. Like he at least will still do publicity. For I him. mean, he's like almost the mascot. <laughs> like yeah. I feel like you think of Sundance, you think of Robert Redford. Yeah. Um, right. But yeah, yeah Van Wagenen was like the head of. The, the production company with Redford. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And the there are the awards that gave, they gave out at the Sundance Film Festival. Well, I guess like with a festival like Sundance, they gave it out a lot of awards. Yes. So there's maybe more yes. like... I mean, they have... Yeah. Like they have a lot of sections. Yeah. And most of the sections are competitive. 
Yeah. So it's maybe more germane to talk about the sections, which are sure divided as the U.S. Co- the U.S. competition dramatic and the U.S. competition documentary, which basically signals like movies made in the United States that are like what you would consider narrative dramatic films and a different section w- with documentaries. And then there is the like world dr- uh, comp dramatic, which is like the same. It's like the same thing, but like international films. And then yeah, mm-hmm. which is like usually less big movies, but occasionally you'll have something like the first souvenir was in uh, the world dramatic competition. Yeah, which is like sort of interesting to think. We'll get to this later. Interesting to think about because I think there are some like divides within like different festivals and different aspects of the film world of just like being like well there's english language film and there's everything else but sundance really is like putting a premium on themselves of being united states based which is why something like the souvenir they would consider a world thing whereas other places would just make it an english language thing and like put it in the same competition as other things they have premieres which are like like a lot of premiere section that these festivals will talk about is like bigger stuff that is premiering like may that maybe want to exist outside of the like auspices of being like in competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's kind of I think the the way they kind of describe it is just like once you are a certain level of established and have made a super a certain number of movies, they're less likely to kind of put you in competition uh, because they sort of want to retain that as a place to find new voices. And so I think that's kind of how the premieres section grew. Yeah, they have documentary premieres also, which is the same for documentaries. And they have Spotlight, which is like a newer film director's like segment. I'm not a thousand percent sure what Spotlight is in focus. Spotlight is the one for movies that have been at other festivals. Okay, it's been okay, so it's movies that have been at other festivals. Then next is maybe the one that is Next. Yeah, next is the one that is like newer or weirder uh directors and movies it historically it initially was conceived as a non-competitive section and then the last few years has had a single award given out by a single juror uh like i know this year it's gonna be joey soloway um and yeah i feel like it had there was like a really good run of next in like the 20 like 15, 16, 17 area. And then there were maybe a few years where there wasn't as much interesting stuff. It was sort of less clear what the identity was. And then it made, I feel like it sort of came back around a little last year. Like uh, Strawberry Mansion, which was one of my favorite movies at the festival, was in the next section. Yeah. Yeah. And then A Midnight, which is again common for film festivals which is usually a section that plays late at night that usually comprises of horror and like more like tense genre sort of work yeah famously um Blair Witch Project yeah was at yeah, the midnight section. Bla- Bla- Blair Witch Project was at the, was at the midnight section sometimes does have like a weirdly like important like history with American horror that is like I mean American horror and like American independent just in general like you talk yeah. about the Sundance Institute and how many like 
movies come out of that. Like I think uh, Hard Eight, the first, uh, or no, that was maybe Sundance Lab. Uh, but still, like the um, the um, the importance of like uh, you know the late '90s American independent like boom. Right. I mean, or like. Um... Uh, Sex, Lies, and Video, exactly. which eventually became the first American independent film to win uh, the Palme d'Or, won the uh, U.S. whatever I don't know if it was called the dramatic competition. Yeah, but it won the Grand Jury Prize at the time. Yeah, at Sundance before it was at Cannes. Yeah, yeah. So Jesse, I believe you, like we had mentioned, trying to. The call out the leadership for some of these festivals. What do you know? Sure. I mean, Kim Yutani, I think, is kind of like the major figure uh, behind uh, Sundance at the moment. And I think she's only maybe like a couple of years into being the sort of lead figure. It does feel like under her leadership, there's been. Uh, I think there's always been a push towards diversity at Sundance, but it feels like it's been especially pronounced. I think they, the last year, couple of years, they've been pretty close to having parity between uh, male and female directors, uh, yeah. and I think have I think have even had sections that were majority female directors at times. Yeah. So. Now to discuss the Sundance Film Festival. Because it's like, Sundance is an interesting one to discuss because in certain ways Sundance has become shorthand for a certain type of movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which is, uh, yeah, like, which is kind of like a type of movie that sort of, or like as a teenager, I had a lot more... I would say even beyond patience for I just had a lot more interest in that sort of scene than I do now. Like, it's harder for me to imagine prioritizing going to Sundance now. Even though, uh, you know, we're not that far away from, like, years where, like, some of my favorite movies premiered at Sundance. Um, and like I, I would not be at all. Su- you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's great movies there this year. But I would also would be even less surprised if like in years to come, when hopefully they can go back to a more normal festival and are not sort of navigating the uh, weirdness of the them having been one of the festivals that has most embraced the uh digital festival Mm -hmm. which like i think Mm -hmm. you know we've talked about this before like i understand the sort of like calls for accessibility um and like i think stuff like the satellite screens that they're doing even though i uh, it's a pretty small portion of the line and i don't know if they're doing that anymore uh, I'd imagine they're probably not. I think on the website it still mentioned satellites. Okay, then maybe they are. I mean, it you know obviously it is safer to go to a satellite screen that is just near where you've been going to movies anyway than uh, traveling to Sundance. Um, 
you know, that is interesting. It does feel like if and when they return to a festival that is, if not completely in person, that features mostly in-person exclusive premieres, it feels like that's when you might get back to seeing things like they've got the new Kelly Reichert movie or they've got the new Kenneth Lonergan movie. Like, you haven't had that kind of, like, American director, but, like, also sort of major director. uh, Or even, like, uh, Luca Guadagnino, who's not an American director. Uh, Call Me By Your Name uh, premiered at Sundance, and it's like people were... I feel like there was maybe a little bit of buzz around, like, Maybe Bones and All, his new movie, could be at Sundance this year. It's just like, I can't imagine Luca Guadagnino premiering his film at a festival uh, that is, everything is showing up online. Yeah. And, like, we saw that with, like, when it went totally online, uh, Michelle Hosnavisius pulled his movie. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no! Um, <laughs> yeah. A real tragedy. Uh, um... <laughs> I would say the other important thing about Sundance, right, is it, you know, we talked about it's a very American festival. It's like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. probably the most important American festival, I guess. Um, uh, and and it, because it's the first in the year, it's also like very, it's in an interesting and an important place in the American, like, awards cycle. Yeah. Where it is the first sure. place where you get a new crop of movies at this right. point where people have been picking over the end of the year movies from the previous year for, you know, several right. months. So you get this situation where it is the first place where we're like, okay, like let's get started on like what our next year's movies are going to be. And right. you know, you'll, I feel like there's a lot more, it's one of the more covered film festivals um, in yes. uh, America because it, because it doesn't require a passport to go to or anything. Right. Sure, and, yeah. Um, sure. And, and like many mainstream publications like, is like, like work with it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is just exciting in the midst of like year end list or you know, post year end list season and in the midst of award season to be like, okay, we're getting started with right. clean slate whole, instead whole, of yeah. instead of this shit that we're sick of. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then like the question always becomes with like Sundance hype become like that that those movies sure. that have the longest road to walk in terms of maintaining hype and buzz and so I, you know, you you people often get like down on like Sundance hype and Sundance movies in particular, as far as like film festival hype cycles and things getting overhyped. But it's, I think that's partially a function of just them having so much longer to remain in the consciousness. I think that's partially that I think, I don't know. I do think there's some amount of that. That is real of like, there are definitely, and it'll happen at other festivals, but it does feel like it happens more at Sundance, where there are just movies that, like, people will kind of flip their shit for, and then, like, it just comes out and no one cares. Um, And, like, that, you know, like, it happens in the fall. Like, think about, like, Waves. That is another movie that, like... The Goldfish. That that kind of... (laughs) Yeah, the gold. The, truly, I <laughs> uh, did that happen with the gold pinch. Did people? Ever, I don't know like, if anyone was like, "This is so good" when they saw it, Tiff or whatever. 
Sure. Yeah, I don't know about that. Oh, you mean like uh, yeah, there was a hype cycle for yeah, it first. Yeah, and then it th- yeah, I'm saying like yeah, that is the kind of like fall festival version of the sort of uh sun uh, of the, you know, the me and Earl and the dying girl. Yeah. Uh Yeah. And I, or the, yeah. the patty cakes. Yeah. But I yeah, think exactly. <laughs> patty cake. I think both both of the things that Andy mentioned are also like functions of it being like so having such a focus on like new films and new filmmakers and like like in yeah. American independent like new American independent filmmakers because it's like both mm-hmm. some of the hype is is like born out of people like watching a bunch of people who maybe don't have it figured out and then seeing one movie mm-hmm. that maybe has it figured out and you like praising that movie a lot more than you would normally because it is more of a solid film than other things around it but also like yeah when people are like so tired and done at the end of the year they want to watch new things and like no Mm -hmm. like Sundance is maybe the biggest like new things festival because it's like it programs so many movies in the United States yes I mean that yeah uh, that spotlight section is like it's pretty small it's like right five to ten movies maybe and uh, it's often like stuff that like was at you know, like, I, I, we were kind of saying a lot of the fall, like, oh, I guess after Ying's just going to be in Spotlight because it's not showing up at any of the fall festivals after having premiered at Cannes yeah. or, like, uh, Happening, which won the Golden Lion and then has played some American festivals but, like, has didn't really get programmed at, like, any of the major ones, uh with like the ones that we're going to talk about it wasn't at and so it kind even there it's like kind of a venue to like reintroduce movies that are going to be may have premiered the previous year but are going to mainly have their discussion based and release based in that year yeah it's also like the sort of uh the market there is always leads to much like discussion like you mentioned me and Earl and the dying girl like ha- got a huge paycheck and like something like Palm Springs like a couple sure years that ago. was like funny of like the yeah we're gonna be the highest the highest selling by 69 and, cents like that yeah. honestly yeah yeah though that I, I feel like that was less of the like total bust when it came out like sure. I don't know how it would have done in theaters yeah. and it probably was not worth spending that much money on but like when it ended up coming out on hulu i feel like it did fairly well sure yeah but just sort of that like sundance i one of the things that i think yeah. about is just like movies so big there like that's like a big thing it's like yes all these movies the market yeah. is so uh yeah like, i don't yeah. think it's I, it is probably market. the festival where you're most likely to get like a big splashy headline that everyone's reacting to about a film well it's, it's, it's that in can yeah um. Yes, can. Yeah, also kind of. No, can like w- with can. Like... It's it's weirder. Can I guess it's like we'll get to it when we get to it. But it's like can is a function of like the market that exists there. So it's like the deals at Sundance. I guess are for movies that played at Sundance. Whereas the deals at Can aren't usually for films that played at Can. Except for like. Um. I mean, there usually are uh some like major films that don't go in like competition films that go into can at least without u.s distribution yeah yeah i mean there's deals made uh, but but like like, those don't even always pick up distribution until like 
a few weeks after the festival yeah. sometimes. But there are, like, big deals at Cannes sometimes. Like, I feel like uh, it was, like, a big thing when, like, Fox Searchlight bought youth. Uh, sure. Yeah, and I mean, Sundance also has, like... And, like, there are deals occasionally to be found, usually for smaller movies, but, like, sometimes bigger deals to be found at TIFF as well. Yeah, and Sundance also has the function of, like, the Sundance Institute and the Sundance Labs of just, like, also being a right. place where they try to foster new filmmakers with, like, financial support and guidance and stuff like that. So they... Mentorship. They, mentorship, yeah. They sort of... Mm-hmm eventually start producing their own move. well not like, not producing in the traditional sense but like Sundance is responsible for Sundance Fair in the ways that other festivals maybe do sure. there's some of other festivals also do there is some of that stuff it can but we'll talk about that later but yeah I think that's a good discussion sure. that's a good discussion of Sundance we yeah. and yeah and I mean like I, get, I do want to shout out like I mentioned that we want to shout out like accessibility and who can attend like it is open it's sundance is like one of those ones where it's very expensive and it does have the reputation of like you have to like really like be in the money to be able to like go and attend especially as a as a non-industry person yeah Um, though i guess it's like is it is it expensive like is Sundance expensive or just being in yes, part? I like buying tickets is generally okay. quite expensive. Yeah, I feel like the pass as well as lodging, yeah. as well as the lodging and the travel also being, I, I think, harder yeah. than some other festivals. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, without getting too, di- I feel like it was um, a few years ago at least. I was like, like looking into like how much it would have cost like to bu- buy a pass. I think like. They have deals for like Utah residents and things like that, and right? Obviously, and like, yeah, student I passes. Are and, su- yeah. yeah, like students. But yeah. I think it was like for a sort of front half of festival pass was like pretty close to I think seven hundred dollars or more, <laughs> like American, yeah. which is like very very expensive for some of these festivals. Yeah. Um, when you, yeah. you get to comparing, yeah, especially considering it, it is a festival where you will be more likely taking more crap shoots than other festivals. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It's a gamble. Yeah. But anyway, All right. we will now move on to the Berlin film festival. Yeah. I mean, to, well, we were going to kind of very briefly pay lip service to kind of the festivals that are happening in the oh, yeah, yeah. intermediate. I mean, the one thing that happens is like slam dance happens at the same time as yes. Sundance. And that's maybe most worth mentioning out is like, they have fully embraced the, uh, online festival in a way that like, uh, seems potentially, uh, long-lasting, which is interesting. Uh, like, you can just see their whole uh, lineup for $10. Uh, and I think there was uh, news today that they're they're gonna have, like, a year-round uh, streaming app launching with this festival, but then also with year-round programming. Uh, and then the other thing that kind of happens is uh, Rotterdam, which is, like, one of these kind of small slight i don't know about smaller but just like it's another european festival that like has some premieres and is also like a place where like sometimes something that didn't get as much attention at some larger european festivals might 
uh, pop back up and be seen by a slightly larger audience. Uh, and it's also worth mentioning because I will be covering it, uh, the, their digital edition, uh, which is uh, late January, early February this year. Yeah. So look forward to that. Yeah, for sure. But then, yeah. Berlin. So, the Berlin Berlin Elf. The Berlin Film Festival was founded in 1951. It was basically a group of people being like, every film festival in the world, like every major European like city in the world right now is like, cre- is like opening up festivals. Why don't we do that same thing? Because yeah. it's like, as other festivals would talk about, like, Cannes really popped up like in the late 40s, Locarno also, uh, Carlo Vivari, like lo- lots of major European film festivals starting around that time. So Berlin decided they were their first couple of years. They had like a West Berlin jury to like pick and like award movies, even though the FIAPH, which is, I don't know if this is, will be the first and last time I mentioned them, but I'll mention them also, which is the Federación Internacional de Asociación de Productores de Film, which is like an award, a film festival, like, governing body and they have a lot of rules for stuff but like early on in berlin they were like you can't we demand that you can't have juried awards because you have not like met our requirements so you cannot (laughs) do juried awards and berlin just like sort of like skirted by and didn't do like international juries and stuff because because they didn't want like the the wrath of the fiaph to PF to fall on them, which is like the FIAPF really like the sort of influence they have is like they control like certain markets and like press materials and like mobility is on that front and like giving film festivals money and like in on those sorts of uh, ways. And the rest of the history of the Berlin Film Festival is, is sort of like a baby version of like the Cannes Film Festival history that we'll get into deep earlier, where it was like it expanded and evolved over the years, like. People wanted different things. People thought that it it was like too Germany based, so people wanted so other like festival outside of it started doing like more international stuff, and then eventually Berlin was like, okay, we'll do more international stuff. Come with us, well, and that's how like a lot of its sidebars were formed. Those sidebars are its sections are its competition, like um, like many a European film festival has a competition. Uh, Usually it's about it's around like twenty films. I feel like twenty is like the yeah, standard for like a, a European film yeah, festival that's competition. Most European films. It's maybe worth saying real quick, just to make explicit. Uh, if you don't know the festivals that are considered the three big European film festivals are Berlin, Cannes, and then Venice. Yeah, basically uh, one for each of the big seasons. Yeah, they have sort of a status above the other European festivals, even though there are other very interesting European festivals that we'll talk about some. Yeah, and also, like, an interesting thing about their history, which is, like, sort of feeds into that, is that they used their first, like, editions, they used to run in June. And uh, Mm. as we'll get into later, Cannes, Locarno, other stuff happens around June. So one of their bigger gambits was, like, well, let's just move it to earlier in the calendar so we're not fighting for premieres with, like, the Cannes and yeah. the Locarnos and the, like, Venices of the world. Sure. So we'll, we'll just get... We can be able to get premieres in different kinds of movies just because we don't happen at the same time, so we don't have to, like, claw and drag for the same sorts of right. movies. And that sort of, like, divide of the year of, like, Berlin, 
Berlin, like March, uh, Cannes, May, and then Venice, like late August, September. It's like mm-hmm. sort of what g- gave them yeah. the, each the opportunity to be like, we're the major three festivals. We try to not compete each- with each other for movies that much, even though that sometimes does happen. They so. certainly do. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and like another thing that sort of has set apart the uh, Berlin competition a little bit is that uh, historically and still sometimes currently, they have been more likely to have like uh, big sort of late breaking US films that like come out in December too late to sort of do the festival circuit, they will hold off their international premiere right. and do that uh, in Berlin. Yeah, sometimes a lot of film, a lot of like um, sometimes American films will yeah will do that. Like we came out last year in America and we'll, we'll just do Berlin right. next year. Which is like sort of a general rule for most film festivals is like yeah, it's okay for... if it's premiered in its home country yes. as long as this is the international premiere. Um, yes, and, that's yeah. definitely the case for those three big european festivals like you'll see it uh in with like most of pedro almodovar's films come out in spain before they play a festival yeah um other sections are the berlin owl special and the berlin owl series i i don't know that would how would you describe the berlin owl special jesse uh that's just like they're out of competition. Section, okay, yeah. It? So yeah, so it's just like premieres and stuff that doesn't want to be in competition, and series is that for television. And yeah, I know uh, a section that you have some level of like fondness for is the encounter section of the of Berlin. Sure. So I mean, that's new, and that gets into what is sort of interesting about Berlin right now, uh, and. Uh, it's a little hard to talk about without also going into Locarno a little bit, uh, which is a festival that we'll talk about that's later in the year, which is that uh, Carlos Chatrian had this very successful uh, tenure as the, he- the, the main artistic director for the Locarno Film Festival. Uh, I believe that's from 2012 to 2018. And I think uh, a big thing was like he has been very good at sort of cultivating uh, relationships like especially with like more niche or like artier uh, filmmakers and so he has sort of taken a lot of those relationships as well as I think what his sort of taste is uh, over to Berlin where he is now uh in charge of that festival uh and you you see that some in competition uh especially with stuff like last year putting uh what do we see when we look at the sky in competition as like a a second feature Uh, i think that was a, a big kind of risk that paid off uh but then also in this section that he created in his first year at the festival which was 2020 uh, the encounters section, which kind of just feels a lot like doing the Locarno competition at Berlin. And that's an oversimplification, 
especially because like some of the more Locarno-y things are just showing up in competition at Berlin. But yeah, that has been in particular like an interesting space for like newer or weirder uh filmmakers uh yeah i think that's that's like what i think is one of the most interesting sections at a film festival right now yeah and apart from that we have like berlinar shorts which is like self-explanatory shorts panorama which chooses to focus on queer cinema forum and forum expanded mm-hmm. which is reflections on the medium of film which i guess those are, those are like talks and interviews and stuff like that no a forum has movies and i think generally has like pretty good excuse me pretty some like also has like interesting movies like it's interesting to see uh encounters emerging with such a clear voice when like they have had like forum has kind of uh filled that role a little bit in the past of just like weirder uh not as mainstream stuff uh though i think forum generally is even a little bit looser with like premiere status um okay but yeah they have generation films relating to the younger generation perspective lucia's kino perspective on germany cinema and then they have retrospective barely now classic so much which is like older films that play at the film festival which is a common thing for film festival yeah so always like to show a new restoration yeah 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 can does that Venice does it. Uh, Locarno, I think, specifically yeah, will yeah. every year have a retrospective of a specific filmmaker. Yeah, I think uh, Berlin considered pretty important. Uh, 2020, they had a King Vidor retrospective, and they were showing mm. a lot of his films. Um, yeah, that is common. Uh, the awards that they give out, the award that is given out at the Berlin Film Festival, it's known as the Golden Bear. Some notable Golden Bear winner is last year we had Bat Look Banging or Looney Porn. A crazy. A crazy film yeah, of this great. podcast favorite. I guess Andy hasn't seen it. I don't know. And I don't think you like sure it. I'm sure I would love it, though. <laughs> yeah. I should have picked that. that I don't think you would have gotten it. A Separation as Gar Farhadi's film. Uh, do you know the only filmmaker to have won the Golden Bear more than once? Wow, no. Ooh, I don't think I do that. This is a filmmaker who has also won the Golden uh, Lion more than once. Wow. Still no problem. It is Ang Lee. Wow, what did he win for? He won for The Wedding Banquet and Sense and Sensibility. Hell yeah. (laughs) Literally, (laughs) stay tuned for the plugs, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, Ang Lee, like, weirdly a festival favorite. We'll get it. Yeah, everyone I mean, loves he won, He's like he won the uh, the Golden Lion like twice. He won it, didn't he? Win it for back to back movies for, for Brokeback Broke and, Mountain and Lust yeah, Caution. Maybe, yeah, that's crazy. I believe that is. The yeah, case. yeah, what a guy. Yeah, what a guy. Mm-hmm. Like stuff yeah, we bring him back. Stuff we mentioned earlier of like f- uh, movies that premiered at like in America before and then came to Berlin that won or like Thin Red Line winning in 99 and then Magnolia winning in 2000 it was just like right. those movies are like not, Magnolia the 99 movie in America uh, uh, Thin Red Line's a 98 movie in America and they came and then, Berlin um, later 
we talked about there's an episode that we did in the past you can go back and listen where we talked about spirited away tying with uh free uh, what's his name the paul greengrass yeah the greengrass movie uh bloody, bloody Sunday. sunday um where they tied and that was sort of at the end of spirited away's like 2000 like that was you know the start of it released that year 2002 or whatever um where it end, uh premiered in 01 and then that was also a crazy year because it was just a tie but um yeah but yeah um the other award that gives out are the silver bear which is basically just like second place that is self-explanatory well yeah but so well, it calls a lot of its I other prizes like, silver bear. right like yeah, the, yeah. There is like the silver, the bear, silver for bear for best directing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Acting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, acting is one of the more interesting awards they give out because last and, year it yeah. switched. Like most awards and festival awards, it was gendered, and last year it switched to being non-gendered, just being leads perform. Lead yeah, lead and supporting. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I don't know if they talked last year if that was like that w- that it will be the norm going forward. I guess I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, like, had announced it previously of, like, this is what we are doing now. Yeah. yeah. There is a jury prize, a prize for short films, best screenplay, outstanding artistic contribution, which is... Sure, that often... Yeah. I mean, it's a very similar lineup of awards to what uh, Can and Venice give out. Yeah. Right. Those are that, relatively... Yeah. And that is a fun thing. Like, that is a common thing many awards bu- or many festivals do is they'll just let the jury, like, make up a, an award or have a very amorphous award. Sure. That, yeah, like, we didn't talk like about it with Sundance, just an famously. Extra prize. Yeah. The, sure. uh, the neorealism. Achievement and neorealism given to uh, never really sometimes <laughs> always in 2020. Mm-hmm. No, well, it was it was simply an achievement in Neo Rello. Like what you can cannot you deny a movie <laughs> that also, uh, and I don't know how common this is. I don't remember it having happened. Was after premiering at Sundance, also in competition at Berlin. Yeah, yeah. So there's some DNA between those two, and uh, yeah. I guess like we can have a discussion of like, what do you all like know and like care and think about when you think about like the berlin film festival i think if i were to start uh, is like sure. i feel like when i look at golden bear winners and like look at winners of film festivals as it's like often as i do because i'm just like a person who likes seeing looking at a wikipedia page exactly i uh i feel like looking at like winners and trying to determine trends is like sort of weirdly indicative of like what sort of the focus of a festival is and it is interesting how, like, in the, like, early 2000s and 90s, 80s, there are a lot of, like, American English language winners. Mm-hmm. And then, like, post-2010, there aren't any. Right. So it's, like... That's true, yes. It's been, like, very... It's been an interesting set of winners, like, in the 2010s. Uh, yeah, I mean, my... I, I kind of got into this talking about... Uh, Chatrian, I feel like I really didn't have a good handle on what Berlin's identity has been until uh, he sort of took over, and now it feels like it has a very strong identity. Uh, and, like, I don't know, like, there there were would always be strong films playing at the festival, but it definitely felt like 
maybe of the major festivals, the one that I had the least uh, handle on what its identity was. Yeah, because I guess, yeah, I guess it's, it's shifted its identity because it's like, if you try to like just graft a like super easy to put identity on like the three major European film festivals, it would be like, well, Cannes is like the big glassy master directors on like premieres festival and then venice has sort of weirdly become like an oscar predictor and it's like it's like also like heavy on the glam and then berlin just sort of like felt like a weirdly like a weird also random just like this happened in like march and like what's happening here and now it seems to be more of a festival of like the real heads now yeah sure yeah yeah. it has sort of insiders yeah right yeah right it sort of has like taken on that maybe perception of like being a little bit of like uh a small a slightly smaller thing than uh can and venice and been like well if that's gonna be how we're gonna be perceived we'll kind of try and do that in the most interesting way possible yeah. yeah, and I mean, like, if you're thinking of it from a American perspective, it is the one that feels, like, most reactive. Like, it's, like, it's not going to have as much of an impact on a movie, like, going forward in, like, terms of an American, like, distribution or American, like, awards. Like, it's, it's, it's on, it's, it often plays movies that have already had, like, its reception in America and that sort of thing. So, like, from that American perspective, I think, like, it has sort of like that like decreased profile but then like now you know they can really embrace sort of the 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 weirder more challenging stuff that is um makes it more like people people who like really care about this stuff like respect it a lot more yeah um yeah i mean even before this kind of current era they're in like you know winning a golden bear would was still a thing that would be helpful in terms of like uh american uh distribution and like it almost felt like oh if you win a golden bear maybe they'll put maybe your next movie will be in town competition like even recently that happened with like nadav lapid uh winning with the or even like Ashgar Farhadi, I think, wasn't in Cannes competition until after a separation won the Golden Bear. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, in reading about the brief history of film festival, a thing I have will surely say a lot this episode. There, there is like a a like talk about like the shift of film festivals being like a center of taste to like a center of business, where like acquisitions happen and like. Sure and like people meet right. each other and there's like a, a focus on things getting acquired and stuff like that and it does seem like berlin is like weirdly one the one or like one of the bigger festivals that is still like we're trying to be a center for taste what matters to us is that the yeah, movies the, the movies yeah. we play here are good and that pe- people like and that we like shine a light on things that we think are good and like filmmakers that i think are worth mm-hmm. paying attention to right. And in fact, like mm-hmm. this year, right, they have announced like their their current plan is that they're still going on with the festival, even though the market yep. is going to be, you know, yeah, that's yeah. the plan right now. Well, you know, obviously. Subject and to when change. they say going on with the festival, they mean fully in person. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. Apparently they're not doing any virtual, um, just sort of yes. locating where it is currently. Um, and like the, the, you know, landscape of film festivals, as we were talking a bit with Sundance about how they like fully embrace for virtual I don't know. Berlin did screeners last year. 
Um, I mean, they they had a virtual festival only for critics last year. Yeah. Um, critics and the industry. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, um, yeah, the other thing, they they do care seem to care a lot about critics. They'll often have critics on the jury, right, at sure, Berlin still. Sure, that's something um, they've done, uh, like Stephanie Zacharek and uh, uh, Justin Chang recently. I think other festivals used to, like Cannes and Venice, used to do that more often and yeah. haven't really recently. Yeah. Yeah. So, moving on, because we need to move on. Yeah. The Cannes Film Festival. Right. We yes. all know the can. Again, between... to really quickly pause us, in between, you've got two kind of smaller American film festivals in South... Not small. You know, they're pretty big in South by Southwest yeah. and Tribeca. Well, uh, I would are... say South by Southwest is a big festival and a small film With festival. With a small <laughs> film sure. section, yeah. yeah. Sure. But still is like one that sort of ends up shaping a little bit of like what uh the american independent film scene yeah. looks like mm-hmm. uh, and then the other thing that is happening at the same time is that you have uh this sort of first wave of regional film festivals that happen in the spring that are like mostly they're drawing their biggest movies from sundance or maybe sometimes from south by southwest and then the other thing they're doing is like uh taking some of the movies uh that didn't get a big sort of u didn't get a, uh, like a big that were at uh international film festivals that didn't really get a big u.s push in the year that they came out and that like ultimately may never get a full u.s release yeah uh yeah and like you know, yeah, like the Maryland Film Festival uh, has been a good example of that in the past. Uh, BAM Cinema Fest specifically is the American movies, but that's a sort of good example of that. Yeah. Uh, but there's a ton of them. Yeah. But then, yeah, can can the can Film Festival, our namesake. We all know Boo. and hear about can. <laughs> Yeah, fu- be like can audiences. Boo! <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. sarcastically clap. Um, yeah. So, I'm gonna make this brief, but the history of the Cannes Film Festival is like a weirdly like important w- determiner yeah. of like the shifting tides of what the what film festivals matter and like what film festivals mean. Sure. And like, and is also just like very weird politically. Yes. So the f- history of the Cannes Film Festival, let's just say, starts in 1932 with the creation of one of the biggest film festivals of all time, the Venice Film Festival. The Venice Film Festival started as like a, pr- a post-World War One movement. We'll get a little more into that later or whatever. It to be like to create like a like peace cr- cre- like a peace treaty sort of like everybody from around the world is going to bring their films and we're all just going to have fun times at the Venice Film Festival. And then quickly it became very fascist. Um, Vinny, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, if you have any idea of the history of Italy in in the like late 1930s to like early and World War II, then you know that Benito Mussolini and a lot of like there was a fascist dictatorship, and that ended up shift that ended up like shaping the sort of like late 30s, uh, the Venice Film Festivals. 
which was still like the biggest film festival in the world. So a bunch of other countries and film organizations got around and was like, what if we didn't go to the Venice Film Festival? Because that seems super fucked right now. Because the biggest award they give out is called the Mussolini Cup. And we get, and we create the Cannes Film Festival. They sp- put in the south of France because it was like, it's pretty, people will come. They plan to have the first edition in 1939. One day in the Nazi invasion of Poland starts, they stop the festival. <laughs> N- nothing happens. So they just like put it on ice, wait for World War II to blow over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then in... It'll all work itself out, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So in 1946, they came back and they were like, the Cannes Film Festival. Film festival films from all around the world. How it worked back then, though, is that a country's film-like organization they got to choose the films that they sent to Cannes. Mm-hmm. So it was more of like a, a, a like metaphor used to describe it and like some of the literature I read was like it was sort of Olympics-y where it was like this is the American film and it's going against the Italian film and the French film and the like <laughs> and the like Soviet Union film and it was like the main reason for creating it and like it's reason to be at that time was like to be uh, what Venice was originally supposed to be, which is like a peace summit. It was like a cultural treaty of all these countries coming together. And then we're going to determine the winner, like the, with a French jury of being like, this is what a movie that we think is the most, like says the most about like the human condition. And we think promotes like peace or whatever. So that was what the Cannes Film Festival was for a while. And then 1962 people got fucking fed up with that. And they were like, there are reasons to enjoy films beyond it them being like important culturally or 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 like promote some sort of sense of peace among countries or whatever. We I don't think people started being like that. I don't think that is like the main reason people should we should award films and people should care. We should be promoting a sort of like some sort of aesthetic legitimacy. So in 1962, a group of French critics created Critics Week, which is like, was sort of a thing outside the festival where they programmed a lot of like first films by people they thought were interesting. Yeah, and that's like a footnote. Eventually, like some of the f- f- Critics Week people came into Cannes and they shaped it a little. But what's more important is in 1968, there were student riots. Why did these student riots happen? You ask. Well, I got it. Forgot his name, but the leader of the French Cinematheque, which is like the French film culture, is it? Henri Long- no, Longlois. Yeah, Henri Longlois. So the the French um, the French Minister of Culture basically came to him and was like, "We're gonna have a Georgian guy, like a Georgian like uh, ambassador here. Can you like program an Eisenstein movie for him at this like uh, your like film institution so he can watch it?" And Longlois was like, "Fuck no!" And he he was like, "You can't. No, like we." we're not like we don't care about whatever political ath- like ambitions you have like that's not what this culture is like we're here to promote good films i already programmed what i'm playing this week so i'm not going to change it so the french culture minister of culture fired him and like send him <laughs> and so everybody rioted and was like no he's an important figure in the french new wave so this eventually this riot just leads to a festival created outside of the festival called what we know now as director's fortnight created by a lot of uh, important figures in the French New Wave, like Truffaut and Godard and other people like Polanski. So, what this eventually causes is a shift is that 
it, it creates pressure on can to to sort of drop the like oh film foreign film associations have to submit the movie no like no we're gonna have a collection of people who program the festival and accept submissions and what we are now interested in is like artists and auteurs and like an aesthetic appreciation of film and i this is credited with like the rise of like the importance of the film programmer which was like sort of the people that jesse was talking about with chatrion in berlin of like the importance of a person who is like i am the person who controls what kind of movies played at these festivals and that is basically shapes what is currently the Cannes film festival so it's uh we all know the Palme d'Or, which is its biggest award it gives out to its competition films. Other f- awards it gives out are standards, like director, um, uh, actor, actress, uh, screenplay, grandplay, screenplay. screenplay. Yeah. And its segment, its sections are uh, competition, which is like a competition, usually 20 films. Uh, un certain regard, which is film selected from cultures near and far original and different works it's like some people would say that it, it is like b-tier competition where it's just like this is like they specifically try to say it's not that but it's sort of hard to see it as anything else especially when it is like a progression that often happens of like a director will premiere uh, a movie or two at a certain regard and then eventually be upgraded quote-unquote yeah. to competition yeah um out of competition this is just felt like it says what it's does what it says on the 10 these are films that premiere out of competition with can and it's like outside big importance in the film world if you there are a lot of like big glitzy premieres big like blockbusters we love yeah block right. you'll get big blockbusters yeah. we've really investigated get... can out of competition on this podcast yeah, yeah that's <laughs> boy happy i mean the other thing that happens MTV. other than the block other than the blockbusters that we've talked about a lot is there also sometimes will be directors who are kind of like either they will make this calculation or the festival will make this comp uh calculation of like they're sort of so venerable and respected that like they've sort of had their time in competition and uh they sort of just tend to premiere right it's like an honor out of competition yeah and like you know people kind of move back and forth in that like almodovar has premiered some of his movies out of competition and now is kind of back in the mode of like more often having his movies in competition uh but yeah yeah special screenings that are just like movies that are they like will screen at the beach or whatever or or just like yeah yeah they just like will screen them in different places cine foundation and which is like film school and film student film school students will like premiere some shorts it can uh then they have a different short film section which are more like for more established people uh, can classic, which uh, is like a uh, retrospective, and then cinema du la plage, which is like it, that is specifically the beach s- situation where they will screen can classic and out of competition films. Yeah, at I the beach. Last year they did Lovers Rock. Yeah. Yes, I think. Uh-huh. And now it's what can premieres. Is that the new segment that? Yeah, that's this weird new section that they added last year. That's just like. Here's some more movies. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them were like directors that have been in competition before. Uh, a year in, 
very unclear what that section is for, other than, like, uh, take some more movies that maybe otherwise would have played at Venice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that yeah, like that was maybe a weird situation of like a a double a weird like by like a consequence of the pandemic. It was like maybe a weird right. double can yeah, year, was, so I there think, was just yeah, too like, many movies. Of, right, like sort of they did that in addition to having a slightly larger competition than usual. Yeah. yeah. So now discussion of can. Well, then there's the other those two autonomous sections. Yeah, the, the uh, directors Fortnite. Directors Fortnite and Critics Week still exist and are still run autonomously uh and like both also have interesting movies i mean director's fortnite exists i think sometimes in that sort of similar zone to like uh what sort of maybe berlin is like a little bit and what uh locarno is sometimes like a little bit of like stuff that's like uh a little little more out there a little weirder it's like sometimes i think there are directors and and or uh uh production companies or sales agents that would like rather have their movie in director's Fortnite than in uncertain regard or i think in some cases even like they'd prefer like director's Fortnite can be a better platform for some films than like Venice competition. Yeah, because I think like the main this is not to like jump on what Andy's like sort of segment is at the end, but like the main distinction between Directors Fortnite and the rest of the festival is that Directors Fortnite is the only section that is available to anyone. It's like you can just right, you can buy a uh, normal person can just one of those buy things. a yes. ticket to a Directors Fortnite film and watch it, which is re- yes. different than the rest True. of Can, where it is like an industry event yes. for like critics. Yeah. And, you have to and be accredited pretty... in some way either as yes. press or industry and there is like a very limited couple of programs for like just layman like film fans that you can sort of apply to yeah i mean the, yeah there's like the three days in can program for young that, people and then there's like if you're in people. like a film society there's yes. like a weird accreditation that you can apply for um yes but yeah, yeah i mean it is it is unique in that among but I don't know of any other festivals that are not really open to the public. Yeah. And I mean, like... So obviously, there's different levels of accessibility. Yeah. Right. And, like, we didn't really talk... Like, Berlin, like, a lot of local Berlin people probably go to the Berlin you can, Film Yeah, festival. you can just buy like, tickets for the movies. Like, you, we'll talk about with New York and TIFF, how they do their sort of rush. You can do that in Berlin. Just um, buy... But, like, I... Like... Do can residents like get like? Is there like a can pass to get in if you're a can uh, resident? Like I don't, I don't imagine. I, don't, that there I, can't, is, I like, can't imagine that. I, th- I like. I think the director. Dir- I mean, dir- I don't know how many people live in can. Yeah, that's also the other can. Like, is only famous for the film festival and also like I guess the beach. Right? Yeah, like it's like yeah. if, if, as like a vacation. Yeah, it's spot. like a vacation destination. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's like there are people who live in Ocean City or whatever, but it's not a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, like, yeah, and, like, it also, like, the reputation, like, you have to wear a tuxedo to, like, go, or, like, you have to wear formal wear. Like, the the specific theaters that the movies play in is, like, really, really important at Cannes, when I feel like it's maybe not quite as important as some of the other festivals. Um, Sure. uh, Yeah, it's, like, there's a lot of, like, 
really high, like a high level of ceremony. I feel like it yeah. can compared yeah. to possess, to, panache, yeah, hoi polloi, etc. Mm-hmm. And there's like, yeah, I'll, I ref, we referenced it earlier. There's like the audiences are famously like give extremely long standing ovations and also <laughs> yeah. will boo the movie. Like it's like. I mean, you know. yes. when we talked about France, our guest uh, Jordan Crocs said that they clapped sarcastically, which is like <laughs> the freakest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that is a consequence of like, Cannes is such the like bellwether of international and art house cinema that I feel yeah. that people mm-hmm. f- feel yes. the necessity to like write up, to act out. Yeah, to write, yeah. act out, write a movie of, like tombstone or like epitaph or whatever right they want to be part of the legend of the movie yeah of like oh yeah, that like, movie got like a 20 minute long standing yeah ovation. Huh. i was part of it or whatever like yeah or like david lynch was crying when he accepted the palm for wild at heart because everyone was booing him yeah it, yeah because right. it's, it's like yeah it's like people trying to determine a film and filmmaker's worth in that specific exact moment of just being like this is the first. Yeah. This is the first and most important word that will be said on this film is whether we clapped at it sarcastically or earnestly. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or like I think they recently have uh, been like, okay, we need. They recently have changed some of the policies around like embargoes and like critic screenings of like I think. Uh, this came from, like, a couple of things. Like, I think uh, the, the two things that maybe led to this were the the last face in the sea of trees of being like, okay, we can't have a movie that, like, plays for critics, gets trashed, and then has a big red carpet. Uh, it just, it, it was a weird vibe, and, like, I think Sean Penn complained, and they were like, oh, yeah, we'll do something about oh, it. You're kidding. <laughs> Sean Penn was in his feelings. Yeah. That's why they uh, honor Jude Law every year there, too. <laughs> yeah. Like, why are you being so mean to him? <laughs> he was only in a few movies. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. What It's like, it's can. It's like, it's, you know, it, uh, it, like, you know. The Palme d'Or is probably the most prestigious single award a movie can win, I would yep. guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's Palme like, I'd... Of course. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I'd love to get a can. It sounds... Oh, sure. Uh, also, you know, very hard to do. Uh, right. But, There's a lot of waiting in know. lines... Uh, lines, yeah. yeah, though that, I think there was less of that I mean, sure, this last year, because yeah. they... But I think they probably have permanently moved to, like, an online, online seating, yeah. yeah, ticketing, which sure. I think a lot of festivals have done, probably for yeah. the better. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's like, I, I mean, like, I, I can look at my uh, top movies of 2021, and the top three were all in competition yeah. at Cannes, and another one in the top ten. Yeah. yeah. Like, right. Yeah. You know. And I guess, like, the other thing about its reputation, like, it does have a reputation for, like, being, like, a boys' club, for being, like, a little, like, a, a slow to recognize, like, new and exciting emerging talent. Like, there is sort of that, like, that goes along with that. I feel like it has, like, that sort of, you know... The, yeah, the, sure. The diversity issues that like we talk about in all sorts of aspects of the of the film industry in the film world, but uh, it's especially acute. I feel like in in some of the the. Uh, sure, maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah. They have... It is, it is, I think, sort of like a conservatively programmed festival. Yes. Uh, like any competition. gigantic cultural institution, it is maybe like like informed by a lot of like slow-moving reticence to make wide-sweeping changes sure. and like sort of try to protect the prestige of what it is. Like another, another like yeah. important like recent can talking point is like its treatment and like relationship to streaming services and Netflix and that sort of thing. Sure. Sure. And just how, right. And the weird French laws about how long things have to have theatrical exclusivity for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. sort of They're yeah. like protection mm -hmm. of Which is just kind of, uh, uh, yeah, just like lost them out on Netflix films, which, you know, whatever. which I guess they like deal with it fine. Like, Cannes is, like, written into French... Like, the Cannes Film Festival is written into, like, federal French laws, right? Like, that's, like, part of, like, the government, like, has... Maybe. Yeah, it's, like, less that, and I feel, like, more of, like, my perception of it is, like, the people who control Cannes have a... Basically a gigantic influence on French cinema and, like, its treatment, where it's in. So it's, like... It's... Yeah, sure. Like Thierry Frémo, who is the uh, the kind of main figure there, is like on the committee that determines what movie uh, France sends to the Oscars. Yeah. So it's like, it, it's, uh, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is like, it's not like the fr French law is like moving like to react to like stuff that Cannes doing as much as like the people who run Cannes and the people who run French cinema laws are like the same people yeah. and moving in parallel yes. to like protect each other they have the same goals yeah. in mind yeah and it yeah. and it's just like it, it is almost difficult to like understate like the importance that can has on like international and like especially european cinema and just like what gets shown and what people see and what gets made is extremely determined yeah. by what plays it can who is viewed as like a yeah. major auteur yeah. versus like a minor one like all that sort of thing sure yeah, yeah. say and, like, they all, I think another thing in terms of, like, them being sort of conservatively programmed is that they will sort of stick with filmmakers past sort of what is their, like, maybe prime of, like, public... Uh, reception and respect, yeah. Reception, yeah. Thinking about, like, Ken Loach or the Dardenne. Right. Or, like, I mean... I mean, I mean... Again, there's Sean Penn who, like... Sean Penn was never, like a towering figure of world cinema. Yeah. And they've also yeah. stuck yeah. with him. I mean, at the very least, Sean Penn at one point was an extremely famous movie star, and he's, like, not really that. Yes. And, like, he uh, has been... Was he the president of the jury one year? Maybe not. I can't remember. I do think if Kane went back to a send us one film from your country for representation this year, we would... We, as the country of America, would have sent Flag Day. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, that's almost a fun like experiment to us to be like, what is this country's movie? I mean, yeah. I mean, it. You know, we have the uh, best foreign language film Oscar. That is basically that, except for for the yeah. United States. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. 
But yeah, if you want to see what Kane's like, watch Hong Sing Su's uh, Claire's camera. <laughs> yeah, and and of course, sure. Mr. Bean's Holiday. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. much like Sundance, watch the two Entourage episodes. <laughs> Entourage episodes. That is the syllabus. <laughs> yeah, I, I was here reading a bunch okay. of books when I could have just gotten everything from there. But yeah, Cannes very important. We have talked about it many of times. Yep. Listen to our old episodes. Yep, we'll talk about it more. Yep. Yeah, sure. Moving on. Um, is, yeah, yeah, what's in between? So then, like, yeah, like, over the summer, you have, like, I think some of those American regional, regional festivals yeah. continue into the summer. You have Karlavi Vari is, like, a kind of interesting, pretty old festival that happens in July. Uh, but then, yeah, the next kind of major festival on the calendar, uh, which is sort of positioned as maybe, like, the fourth biggest European festival after those uh, yeah, three. But it's like a pretty ones. big gap. <laughs> I feel like. We'll talk about it. It's sure. Yeah, it's the Ringo of the four. If you wanted to call the, the European film festivals the big four, it is the Ringo. I mean, sure. Like, look, no. I mean, like, Locarno is closer to, like, festivals that we're not talking about, like San Sebastian yeah. and Rotterdam than it is to the the three big ones probably i think we're just kind of talking about it as an excuse to talk about some of those smaller european festivals yeah yeah uh though i think it i think locarno it does have maybe like a more specific place or has in some past recent years than yeah yeah like with well we will get into it after but like with locarno i feel like there are filmmakers that you can point in and be like that's a locarno guy that got started or like be like got his like influence from like be play being played at locarno a bunch of times which is not a thing i really know exists with like the san sebastians of the world yes san sebastian is more of just like uh stuff that doesn't get into their competition is like composed of like a lot of things that like don't get into Venice competition and then premiere at Toronto and then play in competition at San Sebastian so that they can be in a competition. Yeah, have a laurel. But just to do that history briefly, it was founded in 1946. As I mentioned, that's the same year where like Cannes really started back up. Like around that, like right. post World yeah. War II, there was a huge boom of just like yes. every like yeah. I think that's every why. every European. Yeah. Big, big European city was just like we need a film festival that seems like the big new thing to do film seems like the exciting medium to like promote people I think it was also like a weird like everybody wanted to be involved with the art and get artists into their country and having a film festival was like important for that uh, an interesting thing about the Locarno founding is that it was actually I think towards its founding it was supposed it was more supposed to be like because Locarno is set in Switzerland which is not a thing I used to know because I was very dumb and I didn't know that Lacar- like where Locarno was in the city. Sure. And I saw sure. that like most of it's like the literature of the F- Locarno Film Festival was in, it was in Italian. Because they're just parts of Switzerland that speak some Italian. But yeah. Locarno was like sort of created with the intention of being like an Italian film festival in Switzerland. Like most other film festivals, well, most other film festivals are like, they at least in their founding would try to be like, well, we're going to promote national cinema. I mean, it's like if we have a film festival in France and we want to show a lot of French films because it's important to promote national cinema. Sure. If we have a film festival... I mean, I think this this happens plenty of, like, you know, there'll be... Uh, there's... Uh, yeah. 
you know, French film festivals in the United yeah. States or yeah, yeah, Spanish film festivals or whatever, like American film festivals in other countries. I think there's maybe a big one in Warsaw. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, those usually don't become like the major worldwide film festivals that people travel for. Yeah. So and eventually like through like the years and like different uh, programmers and people coming in it became more of like yeah and then a, a like slightly mi- a, like a slightly major or like greatly minor international film festival like a, l- a lot of influence on you know sort of the like as Jesse mentioned the like sub Berlin competition like sort of like new European and like Asian exciting filmmakers of that sort of sort uh, its biggest award is the Golden Leopard, right. which, you know, fits in with the, like, theme of every other European film festival of being, like, a golden something. I guess I was going to say they're animals, but I guess a palm sure. isn't an animal. Yeah, palms. Not, yeah, uh, San Sebastian's a shell. The golden shell. Sometimes you need a shell. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to know so what the San Sebastian film festival is like, you got to watch uh, Rifkin's festival. Oh my God. God. <laughs> Colin, you need to stop talking about Rifkin's festival. <laughs> We're not going to talk about Rifkin's festival on this podcast. Who knows? It's still up in the air. <laughs> no. Eligible for 2022 can Awards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it has sections. The sections are like the Concorso Internazionale, which is the main competition. Concorso Cineasti del Presente, which is early career directors. I feel like that's like sort of an important like section to them. More more, more yeah, than yeah. more I mean, more than like, that section is to like other like it's like it's like more important to Locarno than like Uncertain Regard is to like Can. Like they, I think so. I mean, you know, like I I think perhaps the most exciting uh, film debut of the last like. 15 years was Kylie Blue's The Begone film and that premiered in the uh, the filmmakers of the present competition. Yeah, and then the Piazza Grande, which uh, collects festival premieres and sometimes a big blockbuster too. Last year they notably premiered Free Guy at the Piazza Grande. Beckett! Beckett was also... It was... Yes! <laughs> <laughs> the Tell gem of the Locarno Film Festival! <laughs> uh... Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the discussion is just like, yeah, there have been a, a lot of, there have been film fa- filmmakers recently, which, like, I think all of us have some level of love for, whose work debuted or, like, became, like, internationally recognized because of Locarno, which is, like, not a thing you can say about a lot of others. Sure. Film festivals, like, Be Gone, as you mentioned. Yes. Um, I know that, uh, Oof, I forgot his name. The Portuguese... Pedro Costa has become a Locarno guy, right? Well, right. So, this is... Like, yeah. So, this is kind of... How it sort of has existed is, like, people like Pedro Costa is a big example and was kind of sort of the culmination of this era of, like... he. Ha- we talked about uh, Colossal Youth uh, the same week that we talked about Mr. Bean's Holiday. It was, like a famously disastrous can premiere for someone who is considered like one of the major 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 directors of world cinema and it just like it it didn't work it can and so you know sort of like the culmination of this era i'd say which actually happened the year after uh Carlos Chatrian left in 2019 was Vitalina Varela winning the Golden Leopard 
Uh, but really, in the, like, years running up to that, you have, like, Lav Diaz won a Golden Leopard. Hong Sang-soo won a Golden Leopard. Uh, Wong Bing, who's a documentary filmmaker, won the Golden Leopard. Uh, Albert Serra won one as well. Uh, these are all, like, big names that just, like, aren't mainstream at all. Uh, and then, uh, obviously the festival doesn't happen in... 2020 uh they're one of the festivals that just like fully canceled uh, and they did this weird thing where they like had a competition made up of films that they like that had their production impacted by the pandemic some of which have been finished and came out and some of which still haven't who knows if they ever will uh, and then the director who, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, replacement for Shatrian, uh, Lily Hinston, who had that pretty successful 2019 festival, uh, after the non-festival in 22, uh, stepped down for, uh, it, it was just, like, creative differences, uh, and so they now they now had this 2021 festival, um, uh, their new uh, artistic director is uh, Giona A. Nazaro, and it just, you know, it's too early to judge based on one section, but like, and also like obviously uh, a year that was impacted by the pandemic, but it did, I feel like, it like, felt off last year of like this is not as exciting as it usually is uh, and I mean I mean maybe part of you know maybe part of that is just like it's always gonna be a lot of newer filmmakers and like maybe there still are sort of to come uh films that will sort of emerge from that filmmakers of the present competition it is just like very early to judge but it does feel like there's not the like sort of exciting major uh world cinema directors sort of at that festival and like it is sort of easy to see like berlin taking that sort of spot and being especially also having encounters and be like well where is Locarno gonna get their movies like directors like Matthias Pinheiro who had uh, premiered in uh, um, Locarno uh, being in Encounters uh, so it, it just like you know I would imagine they will have very good festivals going forward but like it is interesting to look at them and how sort of their identity is shifting and I feel like there was sort of some, I feel like there was sort of a vibe this year of like maybe there's ways in which the festival can be a little bit more audience friendly and like obviously there is that Piazza Grande but like the movie that ended up winning this year which I think was pretty well received I think was like a Indonesian like kind of act like thrillery uh movie uh so yeah, it's just interesting to see. It's an interesting festival right now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. Moving on. 
Uh, anything between this and Venice that you want to shout out? I don't think so, because it's the same month. It happens yeah. late, you know. Locarno's at the beginning of August. Uh, I mean, there's the thing that happens during Venice, which is Telluride. Um, I mean... Yeah. My, my yeah i guess like, ha- yeah. shares some of the yeah. movies i guess this is for a new listener so i, I was gonna say that, as i've always said but you know uh tell her at the fake film festival we don't talk t- talk about it sure. it happens on an american I mean, island sure. like, <laughs> as far as as far as accessibility telluride is a public festival but the one is mo- that is most just like this is the festival for rich people and awards pundits yeah there's just like and just like the filmmakers who go to it. I think like I guess that's always been my takeaway from right, from yeah, Telluride. Like, it seems yes. like Film- yeah, it just seems like yeah, Guillermo del Toro seems to have a blast at uh, Telluride. Right. They they always take yeah. the like the class photo, right, of all the artists there. Like yeah. they're they're yes. they're really big on that at, at Telluride. Yeah. Anyway, that's getting ahead of ourselves. Um but anyway sure. the Venice Film Festival. Venice. Italia. Italia. Mamma mia. Yeah, it uh, as I mentioned with the can history started in thirty two as a peace thing, sort of be slowly morphed into a weird fascist thing under Mussolini, and then post like World War Two, like it had a weird history of just like trying to start back up and then it like went back down. It was weirdly an inconsistent festival right. for a lot of years because it was just like basically can stole all of its lunch money and it and italy was like in a very like weird period of political turmoil so it, it was just like there were certainly sure. there were like periods of italian history where people were just like why the fuck would we why the fuck are we paying for a film festival like what what, what are you doing like what is this but then eventually in 1979 under the stewardship of uh carlo lisiani stewardship but which mostly seems to be like you know what what if we just do what can is doing right now and they were like yeah we're gonna have we're gonna have an international jury we're gonna take movies from all around the world they're gonna have a big glitzy premieres in in venice we we still have like a pretty like nice looking theater to debut all these movies we we can just invite people and people will have a good time here and that is just like sort of what venice is right now even to a certain extent yeah it's award major award is the golden lion which goes to films and competition then it has its silver lion for grand jury prize and the silver lion for best director then it has the volpe cup for actor and actress and it has an award for best screenplay a jury prize all that typical one of the few like like uh novel things about the venice film festival that other film festivals like don't really do or at least give enough give this much of a spotlight to as it being a juried award is the marcello mastroianni award for best young actor or actress a lot of time which yeah, a lot of times right. will just go to like a 26 someone in their like mid to late 20s yeah, a tw- a 20 <laughs> yeah. The, the the weirdest one is mila kunis, mila kunis winning it for black swan right. who was like well established as an actress yeah right <laughs> had been on multiple american television shows for like 10 years yes. yeah they don't know family guy yeah right <laughs> yeah. right yeah. I guess that's the yeah they they don't they really hate Meg just like everyone else so they don't <laughs> yeah, care yeah. to learn who uh, who the actress is yeah uh, um, Berlin also does a like emerging talent award I think it's like the shooting stars award for an actor sure yeah but for European no, I don't talent. I don't yeah but I don't think it's awarded by not like no yeah it's not so, it's no not yeah the, 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 it's yeah just the like Venice jury yeah. is tasked with picking sure yes, who's yes win exactly that award. yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Um, then it has it has an out of competition segment as all of these do. Last duel was are there out of big like out of competition thing? Dune. Right. right. Last duel yeah. not House of Gucci, which is interesting. <laughs> I think House of Gucci just it, it wasn't done and that also might just be a movie that Italian people hate. <laughs> this is racist. Yeah. They'd be like, yeah. What the? Heck? I went to a movie. I didn't want to look at a mirror for two and a half hours. I will say, Jared Leto in House of Gucci does look like a lot of the random guys you see on a Venice red carpet. Yeah. Any sort of like black and white Wikipedia photo of some guy who like he like gave the Mussolini cup. He was the one person who wanted to keep it, and it's like Jared Leto from <laughs> House of Gucci. Yeah. Then it has Orizonte, which is like, it, that's like her. Very similar to yeah, yeah, regard. regard or like I the think. Berlin segment we talk about. Just like yeah, like newer like emerging fil- right. films. Yeah, translates to Horizons. Yeah. Yeah. Venice Classics, which is as always, it's restoration and old movies. The Sconfini, which is just like, like movies that are like less than sixty minutes, no more than more more than than sixty minutes. minutes. So it's just like more. So not shorts, but not longs. No, I guess it's just like a weird thing, uh, like a segment that is like we're not sure if these are movies, but they're longer than an hour, so we can just program in them. (laughs) Sure, right? They show like TV series crossover productions, like art house and genre it's like a weird catch-all i feel like like for just like sure. uncategorizable things i don't know yeah i imagine it's where um uh what was it uh scenes from a marriage like played at venice this year right yeah they don't so really make television sections so yeah yeah and then they have a virtual reality segment which is just like hey they they seem more into the virtual reality segment than any other festival i guess apart from like if you're yeah, if sundance that's Sun- true sundance actually. has it like the other one i th- Sundance yeah, the is one, pretty big. It was big when Sundance was doing yeah. it in person. Festival. But I think the one I think about is more like South by Southwest, but that's like where, because oh, sure, there's just like so oh, much tech right. there, where it's just like, is that part of the film festival? Right. Or is yeah. that part of the game? I mean, yeah, part? what is the connection to the film What festival that at South by is the question? Like, how much yeah. is it connected to the film yes. festival? They have a, their own Critics Week that is just like... Yes. Sure. And then... Yeah, it's also Critics Week. It's where uh, the current uh, Locarno artistic director was before he was that, was uh, Venice Critics and Week. Giornate, they've yeah, got... Yeah, and Giornate is the last one, which is, like, them promoting Italian films. Yeah, and, like, Italian filmmakers associations. Now, Venice and Why to Care. I mean, it is... As we mentioned, I guess like last year, what one last year? These last two years, I don't think have been happening. Happening one. Happening one, the most recent one, Nomadland. Okay, Nomadland. Yeah, it was happening one after a big streak of Of like this movie has been coronated as an Oscar frontrunner. I guess it's uh, Shape of Water, Roma, Roma, Joker, Joker. Joker. I mean, it's uh, very no funny, the Joker one. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. The we Grinch. have talked about it so much, but we will continue yeah, to do so because it right. is so funny. I mean, yeah, me and Emilio, we're sitting next together at TIFF at the Lightbox bar, and we're like, Joker one? Yeah. It, it, great memory. Really yeah. I mean, Joker one was like, that was like the especially funny because it was also people already dreading because everybody was like, I guess the Roman Polanski movie is going to win. And then what happened was somehow yeah. right. crazier. Yeah. The Clown Prince of Crime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Snuck in. 
Which it does sound like what may have happened is that Martel uh, was like, "Fuck they, you!" <laughs> they, yeah, yeah. They tried to give it to Polanski, and Martel was like, "Absolutely not." Going to Joker. Yeah, people like the Joker. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think what my perception of Venice is just like, well, can is obviously a gigantic film festival. It's like the most important one with a lot of like interest to connect and obviously has some importance in America, but they seem committed to be like, no, we're the international f- art house. Like that is our lane. That That is like the sort of taste we shape and what we're at. And Venice sure. is like, we'll take all the American stuff you can get. Well, like, net- right. I mean, it also, it it's a mutually beneficial relationship. It fits in better with the sort of American big movies come out, in, or right. big Calendar. like adult movies come out in the fall. Yeah, it, yeah, it fits in better for that. Uh, and that's, I think that's part of why like, Cannes is sort of comfortably being like, yeah, we don't really need Netflix. Like, would we like to have Power of the Dog? Sure, but like, eh, ultimately, they're not that concerned yeah yeah and it's like um but yeah you know yeah i feel like yeah in recent years venice has been of these three major festivals the one that has the most movies in competition that are just like what the fuck is that that's not a real movie yeah 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 Uh, i mean it's like it's like that. I mean, like, the very all, interesting contrast I, I, of what the fuck is that movies to like Joker. You're just like, okay, <laughs> sure, yeah. And like, also like, uh, Can does it too. Of like, Can has to have so and so many French, French movies. movies. I think it's like it has to be at least three or four. Same with Venice. I don't think Berlin has a quota on German movies, though there are. Maybe there is. I mean, there are usually some German movies in competition. Yeah. But anyway, I feel like, you know, often there are some very good French movies in competition at Cannes, though sometimes not the best French movies that are at the festival. Uh, uh, but then there are also just, like, some... What is this? And then I feel like the Italian movies, it's usually, like, there's one, maybe two big Italian movies and then three movies that no one in the United States will ever see yeah. unless they're a critic who goes to Cannes. Yeah. El Buco, though. To Venice. To Venice, El yeah. Buco. Yeah, you get, you get your El Bucos, Trey too. Piani. It's great. <laughs> that was it. That was a sure, can. That was a can, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, like, like uh, Mario Mertone is just, like, he's got movies in... Uh, Venice competition all the time. No one in the United States has ever seen a Mario Martone movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, like, you know, Venice is also an interesting, like, in terms of international, because it is so close to the start of other festivals here. Like, yes. you'll, people, you'll often, I feel like, see, like, bigger American critics, like, will have to choose, like, am I going to Venice? Or right. am I going to tell you ride and and to like and then like they'll go to tr- like right like it's like you can go you can't go to both Venice and tell you ride unless you like leave for Venice a weekend and come day. back yeah yeah <laughs> which would be uh, you can go to both Venice and Toronto but I feel like it's like just tough travel wise yes yeah uh, and n- not many people do it yeah uh, 
And so, yeah, it is like the American press is, you know, the major publications are going to have someone at Venice, but they're often fewer um, members of the American press. And even this happens some at Cannes, but like they mostly leave pretty early. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I feel like, like... I feel like by the time Last Duel played this year, like, there was very few people yeah. still... And I'll say, like, Venice. like this, what you said with, like, how, how there's just, like, movies that don't exist in, in Venice competitions. It's, like, like, that's the difference between that and Cannes, where it feels like if you send a, guy, a person to Cannes, they will at least try to see every competition film. Where it's, like, that is, like, a prestigious sure. enough thing that it's, like... It seems like it's worth doing, and it has enough prestige where you you want to be able to comment and have a person talk about all these movies. And with Venice, that doesn't exist. With Venice, people just be like, "I'm not, I'm not yeah, watching no. those movies. I'm gonna watch what I care about, and like we're gonna move on." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. But like, yeah, and and it's another one with like big glitzy premieres, like. I, 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 what Lady Gaga arriving on a boat is like real kind of iconic now. I yeah. feel like for Star Wars Born, like yeah, that's sure. thing. Like, I mean, like everybody yeah. arrives on a boat. It's Venice. There's no car. Like, that's the thing. Like yeah, Venice. Like you can have like a really big flashy entrance where you'd like ride in on a boat. Cause Venice is like a weird yeah. city right now, and like it's weird. I'll we'll I'll talk about this some other time. Well, I mean, not even on this podcast. It's just a thing I've been thinking about a lot of time with, with Venice. <laughs> But, uh, sure. but how it's and like, like as we yeah. as we've kind of <laughs> and like as we've kind of half said, Telluride, which is like a big American awardsy festival, happens Labor Day weekend, which and like Venice starts the Wednesday before that. Yeah. Right. So it is. And a Venice weird is is Venice like thing. is Venice fully two weeks or is it? Um, like 10 no, days. I think it starts on, yeah, it's like 10 days. Sure. I think all of these, European most of them are 10 days, are like yeah. 10 days. They start on like a Wednesday or maybe a Tuesday and then like and they run two by the next, by the next Sunday, it's like we're doing encore screenings. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then, yeah, the next week you get Toronto. Toronto, yes. a festival we have all been to, sort of the origin point for this right. podcast it was launched oddly enough uh, sure yeah. yeah the first time any of us met in person was in toronto at the was toronto uh, sleeping in a bed and um, a ton of mosquitoes flying in a room <laughs> that's right yeah well me and emilio had spent 10 hours in a car <laughs> sure, yes so, i did yeah, yeah that truly is like within uh like 10 minutes of me and cullen meeting in person i did open a window and let hundreds of mosquitoes into our airbnb yeah. i was not at uh, this airbnb look all right and then true. now the new york you, film festival uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh... no i mean toronto it's we've talked about toronto so much and how like it's so weird because of the pandemic and also there i've been talking about like rumors about like stuff that's going in on with toronto that maybe is irrelevant to the just like do your yeah emilio introduction go. <laughs> i mean yeah. whatever the brief history of it is like it was started as the basically the festival of festivals in 1976 that was, it, yes. was its literal name and then it went through changes over the years it's like a like international like film market was this started there and it was like but like that's still kind of been the mandate generally is like we are the festival yeah the festival of the festival 
everything. Yeah, is and play. that yeah, and that it's sort of like it's has it sort of has the least least history because it sort of just start it come it began as sort of what it was, where it was just like yeah, we're the festival sure. of festivals where uh-huh. we take place later in the calendar and we just like program right. a fuck ton right. of we're at a convenient location yeah, for yeah for international travel and like people staying and we're in a bustling city with a lot of like people who want to go see movies and we just program a lot of movies that like played other festivals some premiere here yeah and and it's just like yeah it existed sort of like as a festival that you go to if you just want to see a lot of movies and you don't care about being like the yeah. first person to ever see something on the ground though it yeah though they, they have, have they have premieres of like big awardsy american movies and they've got the platform section which has been mostly geared towards premieres that was started like six or seven years ago uh as their like competitive section uh and has had stuff like moonlight and jackie and martine Eden, which was also in venice yeah. competition uh yeah and it's like but yeah yeah so... its segments are more like uh, different from all these european festivals which have like this like clear distinction of like these are the competition films and they're not this is more like I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say genre because that's not the word. The correct word. No, it's just like it's more geared. It's just like such an audience festival. It's more geared towards like these are the types of movies that a specific person might be coming here to see. Yeah, so it's like contemporary world cinema, which is like a lot of that is what it says on the thing. There's discovery, like f- those are like first and second features. Gala presentations, those are like high profile films, which like sort of yeah. fit into it premiere in the Roy Thompson yeah, Hall yeah in the Roy Thompson Hall so it's like it exists as sort of like that is like its biggest Oscar bell weather of just like yeah the, a lot of like Oscar sure. people will come uh, in conversation with that is just conversations with filmmakers masters masters got cut they don't have masters no anymore master. which is one of the signs of like something not good going yeah, on midnight here. madness uh, Midnight Madness. Yeah, th- this this happened. They didn't. I don't think they ever announced it. It's just like they announced the festival lineup uh, last year, and there was no masters section. Yeah, and it was like, hmm. Uh, platform, as Jesse said, it's like a competitive segment with like these different sort of premiere movies. Uh, it's the only jury. Yeah. Though, yes. except for some of the shorts ones. Though it's like weird. It's like I, 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 I don't think I ever have had any consciousness of like what one platform really. Um, I think Sound of Metal one platform. Sure, Sound of Metal. No, I think that it was, was just in. I platform. think Martin, Martin Eden. It was it. No, yeah, I think Martin Eden won that year. Is that? Is no, like, no, Martin. Is, is that like Anne yeah, at you're thirteen right, thousand like, feet or whatever? I think they would like people to know what one platform, but yeah, yeah, you know, films that have played platformers, films like Jackie. We all saw her smell by previous guest Alex Ross Perry there. Prime t- friend of the show, of the show. <laughs> yeah, Prime Time, which is like television shortcuts, which is like short film sections. Special presentations, which is like high-profile films that like don't get gala. So this that's just like. This is a big movie, and we're just like sort of playing. Yeah, it's yeah. just like here's yeah, some here. more. 
It like I, I sometimes the distinction between a gala and a special presentation is just like uh, more talent. Yeah, more talent. More talent was able film. to come, and they like walked the red carpet, or they or they just showed up for a Q and A. Like yes. that is sometimes just the only sort of difference. Uh, yeah. TIFF Tech, which is like that is sort of more of its uh, restorations, old Restor- movie section. Yeah. Tiff Kids and Tiff Next Wave, that's films for kids, and then wavelength experimental yeah. films and art films that also has like short s- segments in it, right? And yeah, those are all the segments, and it's yeah. just like yeah, it's it's like what we described and what we've always talked about Tiff. That it is a festival designed for people to go to it and watch a lot of films. Yeah. Yes, and like it, I think historically has been one of the most accessible festivals even in terms of like cost that has become a little less true over the last maybe 15 years but it still is like you can go to TIFF it's one of the festivals that's like it's certainly certainly Toronto residents go it also even if it's not as catered to them as it used to be it's also like it's a good festival to travel to. I think it used to be the best one, and it's not clear that that's true anymore. Uh, which, <laughs> I don't know. We've talked about this probably on the podcast and also privately about just, like, kind of Toronto versus New York and how those two festivals are positioned. Um, yeah. I don't know, do you want me to get into, like, what my specific concerns about the direction of Toronto are? Sure. I mean, if you could make them brief. Sure. I mean, like, sure. Obviously, like, Cutting Masters is, like, not good. Like, it's like, where's the Hong Sang Su movie gonna play? But in general, it's just, like, I have been told that... I mean, yeah, it is definitely the case that they have become more interested in getting premieres at the expense of the kind of festival of festival things that they have historically been uh which like early on in doing that it's like it led to them having the premiere of if beale street could talk and the premiere of widows which is like this is cool but now it's like like i've been told there specifically are quotas on the amount of like films from berlin and Cannes that they have which at that point it's like this is what people want to go to the festival for is to see these movies that are going to be tough to see like the those berlin and Cannes movies are ultimately going to be harder to see than like the whatever big premiere that tiff is going to get that probably is just going to play in theaters uh in the united states at some point um so yeah and like yeah like i i think i've also like heard concerns of their current programming also being like too conservative and like sort of even beyond the way that can is like sort of uh, afraid to program films that might be like seen as controversial it's just like I don't know y- you know we'll see what TIFF looks like in five years I'm sure their profile will still be fine but it might just I, it's easy to me- for me to see a world where like in five years it's like 
if you're like a cinephile and you want to go to a festival people are not telling you that the one you should go to is Toronto Where that, whereas in the past that felt know. like the easiest hell in the world just so, if somebody yeah. came up yeah. to us it's just like yeah they've got somebody, yeah, somebody came up to us and asked us yeah, what they've got 300 yeah, what, movies what film you festival you want to go to you go to Toronto because it just has the stuff and you will yeah it's kind of just right. a one size fits all answer like it's gonna work for everyone yeah, yeah. right it, yeah the, the, you know it's got ge- geographically it's pretty convenient to get to like everywhere pretty easily you you know they, they program sure. movies all day uh, so you can, like, make it a trip and, like, really, like, you know, schedule out however you want to. If you want to see things, like, earlier or later sure. in the day, like, it's easy to do that. Yeah. Uh, they have, you know. you know, Tickets are relatively yeah, like cheap, you... I will say. Right. Yeah. yeah. Relatively. Yeah. It's, you know, they're not as cheap as just, like, going to a multiplex. But sure. they're cheaper than, say, New York, which we're about to talk about. Right. Um, and So New York, the non- major films are like more affordable yeah but yeah sure um and i had had another point but i lost it. <laughs> um yeah yeah i think uh, the price point specifically is like well, at least when i was there it's like 20 dollars for a regular uh 20 dollars canadian for like a regular screening and 40 for a premiere something like that yeah yeah and i think new york like was that. like 30 and 40 or 25 and 45 yeah, or something like that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess it's like yeah. exchange rate dependent, but I still, it's like, yeah. It's, I still would hesitate to see a world where yeah. which New York was like th- that much, was ever cheaper than Toronto, really. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, they also have like yeah. decent passes. As Andy said, Toronto's like a yeah. nice city, yeah. plenty of places to stay. It's like, yeah. it, it, you can walk yeah. around. It's just like, it was just like an easy place to go to and just watch a bunch of shit. Get a coffee crisp, get a big Turk, uh, <laughs> have some ketchup-flavored potato chips. Yeah, do Canada. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You can hang out in the light box for five hours in between movies. <laughs> uh, see Bella. Yeah. What all the cool kids do. Bella Tarabo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, less pleasant hanging out in the light box for five hours during a pandemic. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can certainly imagine. But anyway, you can go get some pasta. <laughs> any anything between Toronto and New York? I mean, we didn't really talk about like people's choice. Is, yeah, like, the, like, yeah, the big sure. prize there. Like they have they have them for several competitions, but the big people's choice award is for basically every movie that plays there, every feature length movie that plays there is eligible yeah. for yeah. people's choice. Um, so, oh, sorry, go ahead. Which like the, you know they're very like telling everyone to vote like yeah. it's like yeah, if yeah. you're attending yeah. a screening at the film festival there's like they're telling you please vote for the people's choice if you like it's also it's also whatever. a psyop but we don't need to get into this and also uh <laughs> shout out to the volunteers <laughs> they love the tiff volunteers <laughs> i you think about like the tiff pre-roll footage it's always like girls people's choice weird like apple commercial <laughs> or like uh you know L'Oreal. Uh, yeah visa commercial uh and then uh <laughs> all the tip volunteers singing we are the champions yeah. and it's like uh yeah that has always been the weird thing about toronto i guess is that it's very like corporate ads and then like volunteers focus which is like a thing that i guess is was more forgivable when their mandate was just like we're gonna have like 500 movies play here and a bunch of different places and this is just gonna be for everybody and for the people but if like if tiff begins to shift to more of like we want to be like fancy premiere place i don't know yeah. I, I i guess my feelings on that on like all that stuff might curdle a bit 
And the other big award, obviously, is the Sean Mendez Changemaker Award, <laughs> yes, which we which, can't, uh, uh, came into our lives this past year and really uh, and changed you know the what? game. I'm going to say it right now. In a few weeks, we'll have our Can I Kick It Awards that we do every year. We're going to give out a Sean Mendez Changemaker Award. No. 100%. No. Not unless Sean Mendez agrees to yeah, we gotta get uh, some give a Sean cash Mendez prize money. to the winner. If, if, if there's we'll somebody whose name we could change it to to make that funny. <laughs> We'll we'll, we'll talk that about that out. We'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah. What if it's yeah. the yeah. what if it's the salmon? Chain maker. Okay. No. Um. Okay. Now, what so, what yeah. is in between Toronto New and New York? Not yeah. really. Uh, a weekend. I mean, what? <laughs> I mean, right. It's like a co- basically what happens is that New York then becomes the sort of kickoff of this second larger run of regional festivals which just like are very similar to uh new york and toronto of just like kind of be they they all also kind of have the festival festivals kind of vibe yeah. like chicago and philadelphia and some of them aren't in major yeah cities, but a lot of them are and listen some might argue that uh as the theatrical opportunities for smaller and art house films continues to shrink, these festivals take in an even more important place as maybe the uh, maybe the only place you can watch yes. some of these movies in a theater. Yeah. Uh, and then we have yeah the New York Film Festival, which we all attended last year and covered it very well. It was yep. uh, started in 1963 as a like sister to the London Film Festival. It's uh, a main programmer, Richard Roud, was the programmer of the London Film Festival. And basically, he came to New York and was like, let's do one here. And uh, Amos Vogel was the person he started with and who, like, sort of shaped the programming of it more because Roud was the person who lived in London and only, like, participated in the programming of New York Film Festival as, like, either temporarily or at a distance. And, yeah, it has just become a, like, major hub of, like, American people being able to see like international art house cinema. It it is just yeah. it it basically only has like one big premiere a year. It's like it's big. Uh, it used to be like two or three, and it's down to yeah, one. it's like one or two or three. Though I don't know, maybe as as Toronto, I guess that, that depends. I guess it's very dependent on whatever happens to Toronto, but maybe that shrinks or decreases. Uh, I mean, I don't think that what happens to Toronto is going to result in more movies premiering at New York. Yeah, maybe. Uh, the Yeah, and it's just... It might result... It, it will result in more movies having their American premiere yeah. in New York. Yeah, it's uh, sections. It, it has no awards, basically, right? It, it doesn't even have, like, a... Yeah, no. not a competitive festival no. at all. Not even, like, a people's yeah. choice award. Sections are its main slate, which is, like, its main like movies it's programming yeah. uh, and that's like always been the kind of central thrust of the festival is the main slate and then the other sections that currently exist are all advents of the current programming team headed by uh, Eugene Hernandez and Dennis Lim. Yeah. Uh, Spotlight which is just like Spotlight's weird it's just like it's like that's like it's premiere big yeah. movies right they yeah. do like they do red carpets for them i feel like sure a little... yeah it's just like 
movies that are kind of in the zone of something that would maybe be in one of those. So they have like the three, the opening, closing, and centerpiece slots. Uh, right, and it was like, what if we were part able to have of the more main of those slate. slots? So they, yeah, they it's kind of like that. <laughs> yes, but they're not in the main slate, which is kind of like there's maybe a minor level of prestige that is lost there. But like it's fine. Um, revivals, uh, which are old films. Revivals. Yeah, revivals. Yep. Uh, Currents, which is like Currents, which I I is another sec section of a film festival that I really like. Though I feel like the twenty twenty Currents maybe I responded to more strongly than the twenty twenty one Currents. Uh, but yeah, that comes out of like they've had sections like views from the avant-garde or uh, projections they're just sort of like their home for more experimental or newer filmmakers yeah and it has uh films uh like regular length films and shorts yep yeah all of the shorts go in uh currents now which was not the, like there were shorts in projections and then there was also a short section which was like the previous sort of configuration, uh, which I think was a little weird in 2020, where like they had this kind of like opening short section that like didn't fit with the rest of Currents. Uh, but then in 2021, they sort of didn't have those like slightly more mainstream narrative shorts. Yep. So, yeah, and that's. And then there's talks. Yeah. Is the fifth that section, is talks. which is just it's talks. The, the talks. Yeah. So, the New York Film Festival matters because it's just sort of it is a film festival in New York. It is a film festival in right, sure. one of the largest yeah. film hubs in the world. So right and media. Yeah, hubs media hubs in the world. world. Like, yeah. yeah, and yeah, and it it is program like the leadership is Eugene Hernandez and Dennis Lim. They have different titles. I guess I don't know what exactly each of them titles is. Yeah, I mean, I think like I, the impression given off is that they are both involved in the like programming of films, but like Eugene Hernandez is like a little more in charge of like sort of organizational. Uh, things and like Dennis Lim is maybe more like specifically like these are the movies and like Dennis Lim also is the head of programming for uh, Currents. Yeah. And it, they just program really good movies. That's sort of all we can say about New York. It's just like if yeah. you are a person who is into film enough to just like really be want to get go to a place where where you will get like a pretty good picture a pretty good and high quality picture of international cinema and like good big movies yep. it's, it's like it's hard to find the place better than new york uh, like obviously like the thing that toronto had all always over all of all over to new york always was like well they could just have every movie that plays in new york plus like 200 other movies right. because Right, I mean, and, like, there would always be some movies, like, both some big movies and some, like, smaller, weirder movies that would be at New York that wouldn't be at Toronto, but Toronto would make up for it by being, like, we've got 250 movies, and now it's kind of like, well, you're gonna 
I personally feel like I I will get a more complete view of like the year in film uh, inarguably from going to uh, New York than Toronto of like the types of movies that I'm interested in obviously yeah we all yeah. went last year we all talked about it we all had a good time we had a great time yep uh-huh we had a ball Colin, anything to say? It is really long. It's long. Yeah, that's the, it, right. stayed for the whole thing. That's it's, the thing that makes it. It's hard because it's, it's like, like three weeks trip. long. It's it's they only two and a half. Sure, they it's only show movies screenings. in the evenings. Uh, like you can like evenings the, and weekends. The, yeah, they yeah. only have four screens. Um, mm-hmm. with occasional like they'll occasionally like borrow the IMAX or whatever. I guess right, like or like this year they also did some like. They had a few screens. Right, they'll like, they'll do satellite things at like cities. BAM and things yeah. like that. Um, yeah, and they have they did some outdoor screenings this year yeah. too at Damrosh Park, which is right a part of Lincoln Center. Sure. Um, yeah, so it's like it's 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 definitely I it's like less like traveler friendly. Yeah, it's like, right. It's like yeah, it is certainly geared for more people who New are in New York like, who live in New York. Yes. So that is, that is also like yeah. yeah that is an important consideration when you're considering like traveling to it of just like yeah. if you go to TIFF and you spend the week there you could see like a very sizable chunk of its of its uh, programming well, light yeah. up and programming it yeah if you go if to a week in New York yeah, you're gonna if you're miss there half of stuff. even like through the first weekend at TIFF it's like you'll see most of this stuff right yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, New York, it's like, you gotta be there the whole time if you want to be able to see everything. Right, and like, you don't know, like, if you're trying to plan, like, you don't know, like, which ha- which part to go for, because, like, they don't announce the schedule, like, that sort of thing. Like, there's, so sure. it's, like, hard, yeah. harder yeah. to tell, like, if you're only able to devote a week, like, when, what week do I pick of New York? Like, yes. it's harder to tell. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, yes, if you are going to a film festival and for a week, New York's a tough one. Yeah. It's going to be kind of a crapshoot. But still, the movies are good. But, yeah. um, As opposed to, yeah, Toronto, you can still get everything. It's just yeah. that what everything is has become less interesting. Yeah. Maybe. I will say, I mean, though, yeah. just as someone going to the festivals, the two that I've been to, the seats at uh, New York's theaters are a lot nicer than the ones in TIFF. You get, well, they're much more comfortable. <laughs> I think that's true. I also actually prefer the sort of slower pace of New York. Yeah. Like, if you can get two and a half weeks off, then it's like, uh, great. New York will be much uh-huh. chiller, especially as the festival goes on. It's like, you can start kind of doing more other things without missing movies. You don't have to be like, movie, 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 five movies a day. It's like, it's a more relaxed, manageable schedule. Yeah. If you can be there the whole time. Because there are people who are like doing it and also working. Yeah. And that's uh I guess there's some festivals at the end of the year there's like is there anything you want to shout out like AFI Fest? Yeah, I mean it's just like that run of yeah, like, yes, AFI is the other kind of festival where you get some sort of straggler premieres of movies that weren't ready that happens early in November. It's just, like, another kind of oscar thing, and it's 
you know, it's the L.A. sort of big fall festival. And then, yeah, you know, other things happen in fall that... Right. Uh, but then we're, know. like, looking ahead to Sundance also, right? Yep. Yeah. And we're coming mm-hmm. back to the top. Yeah, and yep. that's a year in film festivals, basically. And uh, hopefully that was illuminating to people as to... Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what the year of this podcast is going to kind of look like in terms of current coverage of things. Yeah, and I will say, like, we, I think, are looking a little more towards, like, history and and things like that in terms of, like, what are, like, non, like, newsy or, like, new movie episodes are going to be pulled from. So, like, this is sort of, like, I think, like, a little bit of, like, a roadmap for our year in terms of, like, we're interested in, in looking at these festivals a little more closely in, in their history and, yeah. and what sort of things play yeah. in them. And like so, I said at the top, like, um, this way, like, when we talk about those things and we, we do episodes about those things, you can know the context under which we are talking about them. Like, if we talk about the sort of why this yeah. might premiere at Berlin and not premiere at Cannes or why it might premiere at Venice and not premiere right, at Cannes, yeah. you know why, you know where those thought processes come from and why we think of, like, programming decisions. Yeah. And, like why these things matter and why they each have their own particular like culture and identity which is like maybe a thing that could be lost at at a distance where you're just like this is just a place where they play a bunch of movies where it's like there are there are very specific political Mm -hmm. and geographic and time of year based like designations of like why certain fail festivals are certain ways a lot of these regional festivals that we sort of are talking about as if they're a monolith also like have their own identities that are interesting. It's just like we can't get into all of them. Yeah. But yeah. Cool. Yeah. Festivals, they're fun. Go to yes. them. Yeah. Support them. You'll get to see cool movies. Listen to this podcast about them. Exactly. Yeah. Most important. Yeah, most important. <laughs> even if you don't go to them. Rate, review, and subscribe. Rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs> Jesse, if they wanted to follow us, where would they do so? Yeah, you can follow us on uh, Twitter at Can I Kick It or on Letterboxd at C I K I Pod, uh, or you can email us at Can I Kick It Pod, all lowercase, at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and uh, if you've got any questions, we'd be happy to answer them. Sure. Um, and yeah, you can follow. You can find me on any of those platforms, I suppose including email, at uh, JCP Glick Weber. Uh, Weber has two Bs. Yep. Uh, oh, yeah. We plug hey. things. I can look at my... Uh, I, I've got a new media diary like Soderbergh, so I can find something to plug. I'm going to plug uh, Minecraft. <laughs> We've been having a lot of fun... On a Minecraft realm lately. We. Fun game. Classic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My name's Andy. You can find me online at Andy T. Germ, A N D Y T G E R M, uh, Twitter, Facebook, email, whatever. Uh, you, uh, Instagram. Uh, why did I go back for that? That was no, there was no reason to do that. Um, uh, if you like the show and want to support us, we would so appreciate it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you can do that at coffee, ko-fi.com slash can I, C-A-N-N-E-S-I. 
uh, always want to encourage folks to make start up recurring donations. We're still waiting for our first. We'll do something nice for you if you do that. <laughs> yeah, um, you can request a perk. Maybe we should come up with we'll, a perk. We'll, and yeah, maybe we can people brainstorm. would want it. We gotta. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we're, we're wrapping up. We'll uh, for um, a plug, uh, I have been uh, catching up on uh, Station Eleven uh, on HBO Max this week, uh, which is really, really good. I really strongly recommend it. Yeah. Um, uh, Wonderful Mackenzie book. Davis's eyes well. are just truly one of the best things okay, to, to to see. Uh, do acting. Um, yeah, that's all I got, uh, Cullen. Uh, yeah, I'm Clatchley on Twitter and Letterboxd, C-L-A-T-C-H-L-E-Y. If you want to follow the podcast on Instagram, we have one. The, <laughs> the 2022, we're getting into the podcast Instagram game. We're also at C-I-K-I pod there. Also a right. Twitch channel, but I'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> wait, wait, whoa, 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 easy. <laughs> whoa, uh, yeah, if you like Minecraft and you like this podcast, <laughs> Andy's going to start streaming. <laughs> um, but... For my own personal plug, uh, I mentioned uh, maybe talking about Sense and Sensibility, which I watched for the first time last night as we're recording this, and it's incredible. But instead, I'm going to plug a book uh, called No One's Talking About This by Patricia Lockwood. And uh, it's just a great book. It came out last year, I think. Um, and it is... Uh, funny in a way where i'm like i'm reading this book and i'm like i think this way this is how i process everything and i'm like "Uh oh because it's maybe a searing indictment of thinking about things that way but uh it's great regardless and i would highly recommend it it's so funny yeah. 2022 will be the year we finally have a novelist on the 100 percent, yeah i would not say 100 percent, yeah one hundred percent is gonna happen. One hundred percent. Specifically, novelist, or can it be any type of book? Can we get have a had nonfiction who have written? Well, have we had nonfiction but, like, writers before? I guess who have books? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, someone on who wrote a book at some point. Yeah. Emilio, you can follow me on I'm Laugh Alone on Twitter and I Laugh Alone on Letterboxd. Um. What should I plug today? You know what? I watched this nice little Ghibli movie yesterday called Ocean Waves. It's like a 72-minute movie they made for TV, and it's mostly just like chill vibes and the fashion, and it is good. So uh, wherever you watch your Ghibli movies, watch Ocean Waves. It's very good. Um, our theme song is by True Related. You can find them at soundcloud.com slash truerelated. Here's our tree related on Spotify. And uh, yeah, maybe in a couple of months we'll be doing movies and Minecraft Mondays on Twitch. F- follow me for more details. <laughs> uh, okay. That. Great. What the fuck do I say? You say. I'm going to release our audience. Bye. Bye. My name is Giovanni Giorgio, but everybody calls me Giorgio. Mm-hmm.